first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Well, welcome everyone to episode 49 of the GRQ podcast. And I'd like to welcome another rules referee to this week's podcast. Uh, Just like last week, we had Fraser Nickel on uh, the show, which was fantastic. Uh, This week's guest is all the way from the Northern Hemisphere, although uh, across the pond, uh, Mr. Jerry Bauer from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Not Quebec, as Fraser stated. So uh, a passionate rules comrade and official in regional amateur and professional tournaments. Welcome, Jerry. Thanks a lot, uh, Blakey. It's going to be fun to be on here and uh, been listening to all your podcasts from day one. Yeah. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. And we'll, we'll get into that in a second uh, because you got me on as a guest on one of your podcasts. So uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Most importantly, let us get through the, uh, I think it's the second most intriguing or the second, the, the segment that people um, uh, like the most or the comes runner up. It's the actual answer for the GRQ OTW. So for episode 48, uh, which Fraser read out, Fraz and no, what do you say? It's not phrase. I say phrase. He says phrase. No, I say phrase and he says phrase. That's right. Phrase and Blakey are, have, are playing against each other in match play. Phrase steps up on the 18th tee, all pumped uh, as he's won the last four holes to get back to all square. Highly doubtful, Fraser. And in his excitement, plays from the wrong teeing area. His ball goes dangerously co- close to out of bounds. So Blakey does not recall the stroke. Fraz now realizes he has played from the wrong team area and declares he will play a provisional ball. How should Fraz proceed? Uh, well, rule 14.6B, uh, Fraz may play a provisional ball, um, but, but 14.6B, he didn't play his original from within the team area, uh, so he isn't permitted to go back to the teeing area um if you'd hit it out of bounds it's exactly the same so you go back to your last place played your original spot and that is just outside the teeing area or the wrong teeing area uh he has to drop it because a wrong teeing area effectively isn't a teeing area and it is general area i hope i've haven't muddied the water on that one too much but basically there's only one teeing area for the hole that you're playing it's from the front of the tee markers two club lengths and depth um, the width is defined by the outside of the tee markers if you tee off from outside that obviously in a stroke play, play event that is the only way to start play of the hole uh, so you have to correct your mistake and take two shot penalty but in match play you can actually get away with starting a hole outside of a teeing area and then it's up to your opponent 
as to whether they recalled the stroke or not. In this case, I didn't recall Fraser's stroke because it was horrible towards the out of bounds. And he thought he should play a provisional ball just in case he gets down there and it's out of bounds. Uh, so where does he play the provisional from? In the general area, he drops it within one club length of where he originally played from, no nearer the hole. Uh, and potentially he's three off the tee. So he will really, really be, or really be keen. <laughs> can't, can't say really enough, Jerry. Um, he will be very keen <laughs> to, <laughs> he'll be very keen to find that original ball. Um, yeah, so that is the answer because he didn't start play the hole from within the teeing area. So, Jerry, welcome again. What is the what is the time where you are right now? Well, it's a little early. It's six thirty a.m. where I am, and uh, had my breakfast. Been up for a while, and uh, often heading to the golf course by now. And uh, what what time does the sun uh, rise at the moment there? Oh boy, probably. I don't know what time it's supposed to come up, but about quarter after seven. Okay. Okay. So Pretty another good. another half hour, forty five minutes. It'll be be up just enough as long as I can see the ball off the tee. I'm ready to go. So at the moment, uh, you're fifteen hours behind. So it's your six thirty. It's nine. It's my nine thirty p.m. Last week it was actually only fourteen <laughs> hours. Our oh. daylight our daylight saving just kicked in, and your daylight saving kicks in at the end of this month, I believe. Yeah, I think I think it is. I'm not sure something like that so uh thank you very much for joining me so early on uh let's start at the start can you explain uh a how you got in or what you sort of do in a rules capacity um apart from being an excellent conduit for many of the your fellow referees uh around canada but how uh what you actually do and how did you get into um the rules of golf and refereeing well thanks um i got into the rules i guess i've been officiating now i think this is 16 years and i got into it i was a club captain at our golf course and uh we'd have some club competitions going on and especially the match play that they had at the club and and a couple of guys started coming in and they said Jerry, I think so-and-so screwed me out there and, uh, you know, lost the match to him, but I think he was, he's the A player and I'm the C player. And, you know, I think he was taking me for a ride and I says, I don't know anything about the rules. So, you know, I started looking into it, a buddy of mine that was a good competitive golfer and he screwed me in a club competition. And, uh, we started reading i bought a rule book and started reading and started telling you know helping trying to help these people out but there were a couple other guys in the club that were the rules guys that they didn't know the rules but they thought they did and i went on and i'll be honest when i get into something i go full bore and uh, i started reading the rules did the level one online pretty soon after that was pretty easy 
and then started studying for the level two. They had four levels back then. And um, my buddy and I, we spent months reading the, the old decisions book. Um, I think I read it three or four times trying to learn, learn the rules and had arguments with some of these rules people at our club that knew the rules and had to prove to them that they were wrong. But then the people started believing myself and, and I, I just got started out doing some tournaments. We have an organization here, um, Ottawa Valley Golf Association. Um, that I started officiating or helping out there. They only had a couple of people doing rules and they were pretty harsh on some of the players. I think their, their goal back then was how many people can I penalize in a day? Not how many people can I help? And I want to help. And uh, my whole thing with the rules is to go out and help people learn them. If, if we can help them get out of a penalty, I'll do it. Sometimes it's impossible, but uh, so I got the level two, went on, did level three um, and the four, took a couple of years to, to get up there. And then I became the rules chair for our organization here, did that for six years. Now they got me on as president of the organization, which ends in April. And I'm the rules chair for Golf Ontario which, you know, I get some calls every once in a while for that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. The rules have become an addiction for me. I eat, sleep, you know, I'll drive off to a tournament with a friend. We went seven hours up to tournament a few weeks ago and, you know, says, says, well, let's go over some questions. So she pulls up, uh, you know, some questions on the web driving up there and, firing questions at me so we're always at each other with questions and you know I look forward to your rules things because what's going to come up and <laughs> uh, what what interesting things when I'm watching tv and a, a situation comes up I just pop up in my chair when there's a rule when I see a referee come in and and uh, you know it's just just something I, I love doing and love helping players helping the people that's that's fantastic. Those those groups, those uh, competitions that you started out with, Jerry. What level were they? Were they, uh, you know, just individual best amateur in the in the region? Yeah, they, they were the the initial ones here that I was working. Our local, we'll run about twenty five tournaments in our area from all kinds. You know, juniors, the the women's. They have a couple of team events. Uh, um, the men, there's A, B, C players in them. Uh, we have a, a match play event for the, the city. And so there's all different kinds of, of events and all levels. I mean, we've had, um, you know, one that I remember very well was a little 10-year-old, 10-year-old girl playing in uh, one of the junior events that went out and whipped the butt off everybody. And now she's made over $8 million on tour and uh, lives about, lived about 45 minutes from us here. That's that Brooke is, Henderson. Is, yeah. I was going to say, is that? Yeah. Yeah. Brooke, uh, well, I 
got to know Brooke and Brittany quite well and, uh, you know, watched them grow up and, you know, she could hardly get her, her see over the top of her push cart. So, uh, you know, it was kind of fun. And, and that's a level. I mean, the junior levels are, are the best because, you know, you catch them early, you, you help teach them and, uh, you know, we're a little more lenient, I guess, if you want. And, and we're trying to help them out rather than trying to, you know, throw a penalty down, which you sure hate doing at a juniors. It's quite, it, that's a really good uh, point, but it's very interesting on that point because kids are so used to adults just telling them what to do and they'll actually accept a, a penalty or a decision just verbatim as well. This person's older than me. Um, they must be right. So, you know, I'll just accept it. I've, I've always found that kids, you know, they're happy for you to help them. They're, they're used to being talked, talked to like that, told off, whatever. Um, and so they'll, they'll accept it. Whereas, you know, you see, you know, Brooke, uh, re recently Brooks kept her with that, that ruling <laughs> and yeah, it, it yeah. possibly, it was a 50, 50 call possibly. Um, and he's not happy about it. Uh, you know, but that is the way the, the cookie crumbles and you just got to accept it. And you'll see, you'll find that kids are more likely to accept it because they just see that the adult is. And so you do, yeah, just like you said, you want to help them out. Um, but it can be a little bit easier to deal with kids because they're, they're just more accepting of um, the situation in front of them. Yeah. The kids are, the kids are usually, usually pretty good uh the thing that does spoil the, the fun out there sometimes is you're given a ruling and and uh, sometimes the parents don't like what you've given so that's exactly right <laughs> you know i mean we've had you know we'll get along with the kids and i've seen the kids you know dad just go just get out of here you know you know this type of thing and uh, you know uh, the old there are a lot of there's there's a lot of great great parents that want to learn too but you do get some and you know um that it was nice really really nice last year because we had well we had the parents i guess because anybody under 18 had to have a parent around but um they just last year with the covid more strict <laughs> covid rules they they stayed away a little bit more but, uh, um, they, you know, they but they're fun. They I mean, they're great. There. They're great that they're getting their kids out there, getting them into the competitive golf. And, uh, and you know, the kids do want to learn the rules, but they want to hit the ball farther too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they want to score, um, but they, you know, they're more accepting of the penalty. Whereas, you know, yeah, I find that adults just in general, you know, take it as a, is a pride an ego thing if i get a penalty that's you know that you're saying something about my characteristic you know it, it mate you, you've just you've done something you can't you you t take the penalty and you, and you move on but uh that's yeah. the thing with with some of the you know you've done the high level pro events i've done some lower level pro events and uh um i find that some of some of them don't want to accept the the ruling. I just got a call the other day, they a couple of days ago, 
uh, as a second opinion because the, the gentleman doing the the mini tour down south uh one of the players didn't like a, a ruling he was given which was a pretty simple one and uh guess he had his phone on on speaker phone and uh as i was given given my result which i had no idea what had gone on so he just asked me a question and i i gave him the answer and i guess it satisfied them but uh that's kind of fun too when you get those you don't know what well, I had no clue what's gone on. If you're at a tournament and you're called in as a second opinion, you know, you know what the heck is, uh, has happened by the time you get in there. But uh, on this one, on a phone call, I had no idea. <laughs> what, that, that, that's a great call because we did see that second opinion, the second opinion with, with Kepka. Yeah. Did you, did you know that, like, was it the referee calling you, obviously? Yeah. Not the, pl yeah. Not the player. So no, the referee, no, it was the referee. You and the player, and it's on speakerphone, is it? I guess it must have been <laughs> just the way, just the way the question went. And it was, it was only like a 20 second call because the answer, well, it was real quick. What it was, was a, a, they were on the fringe and there was a ball mark or a ball mark in front of their ball and they wanted to putt it and they wanted to fix the ball mark and uh, the ball mark was not on the green it was on the fringe also so you know you you can't fix that unless somebody else's ball had come in after or if you'd picked up the ball and we're going to drop it somewhere but it was just sitting there and so anyway that seemed to be the uh, the gist of the the ruling so <laughs> I, I love those you know i i got a lot of um phone queries and most of them were in, like obviously your situation was live but most of them were you know by someone who'd been feels they'd been hard done by uh but you yeah. always you know that after the competition's finished or whatever you always know like you learnt. there's always his side her side and the truth uh, oh yeah so you got you got to go back with the you know from from the the facts that you've given me from what you've told me this is the ruling but then you find out like i, I think i um i had a, a situation and I, it was someone on instagram it was like a match play event you know in our hometown on instagram they asked me a question and i was like oh, okay yeah now this is the ruling and then we get in on Monday because the it was like a pennant, something like that. And and then that was on the Sunday, Sunday night. And on the Monday, we get an email and it looks so familiar. And I'm looking <laughs> at it and I'm going, that sounds like something that I've just, you know, had a query about over the weekend. And so, sure enough, it was from, you know, this side, this this team and then the other team and their facts were not matching. So we had to go back to them and say, based on what you've given us, this is the, uh, this is the ruling, but um, we've also had facts given it to us from the other party and uh, they don't match up. So you actually, the two of you need to get together and work out what actually happened and then we'll give you the real ruling. That's, that's a really, really hard one and you know we had a situation similar at, a couple of years ago at um, a 
junior boys championship. And we had one of the players, it wasn't the marker called up and said, so-and-so, I don't think he had a, a par on that last hole. And so he says, he played the ball this way, this way, bang, 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 bang. And he, he was a five. And so we had to call up the, I was the, the rules chair for the tournament. We had, we called up the, the tournament director called up the, the marker and asked him if he could describe that last hole. Cause it hadn't happened very long before they were quite close by, I guess. And he got it and the player read back. He says, no, he had a, he had a five. He went bang, 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 which was exactly the same way as the third player had said. So now we call up the player and the player says, Hmm, I don't remember how I played that hole. Well, unfortunately the player ended up getting DQ'd because yeah, you know, here yeah. were two players, two players. We were, you know, we'd talked to that uh, both had described the hole exactly the same way without being either knowing what it would have gone on the one hadn't that, even looked yeah, at it so you know trying yeah. to get all trying to get all the information uh second hand uh, or after the situation is the hardest and and i had one where i again i i screwed up because um i got information one way and the other referee had gotten information a different way had been there and i didn't get it I didn't get enough information. So sometimes it's really, really difficult. Those are the toughest ones. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the, the toughest thing about, you know, or the toughest thing about being a committee is trying to piece together, you know, going out and giving a ruling on the spot is actually not. I love as, it. <laughs> it's, it's not actually as tough as people may think, you know, you obviously you're on the spot and they say uh, refereeing is 95% boredom and 5% sheer terror. But yeah, the sheer terror is not when you aren't presented with the facts and, and, you know, and it makes sense and all that. The sheer terror is when you're not presented with the facts and you have to sort of um, either find out more information uh, or try and make a determination based on holes in the story. Uh, that, that's certainly the toughest, you know, that and weather delays. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I hate weather delays. Uh, I, I've had th three of them, I think, this year that we had. But um, yeah, going out and when you go out and give a ruling, or when I do, most I'd say probably ninety percent of the time. By the time I get into the player, you know, stop my cart twenty or thirty yards away and walk over, and I'm looking at the situation. By the time you get in there you pretty well know what what they're after what the ruling's probably going to be um sure you get some where you don't and i've had some of those that have been weird but uh um yeah it's uh you, you know what they're they're going to be you see them standing by a cart path and you know okay got a cart path <laughs> i look at it where's the ball okay we're going to probably drop on that side but we'll go through the procedure yeah yeah no that's that's so true and if they're calling you over it's most likely that they're 
market didn't give them relief so they're wanting you to do something with oh yeah. yeah yeah that's for sure and uh yeah but you know the the, the tournaments are fun to, to work. And like you said, there's a lot of boredom in there. And uh, um, I remember one I did down at Mission Hills. I was doing the, and I see the A&A is moving out of there now, but uh, in 2023. Yeah, but, they got a new uh, sponsor, Chevron. I, was, I wasn't doing the A&A tournament. I was doing one a couple of weeks before that. And I, I had to officiate on the, I had the whole back nine. They were doing a double T start for the mini tour that we were doing there. And I had zero. It's my first time to work at that, at that tournament, that course, I had zero rulings until the very last group on the back of the 18th green, this, there were no stands or anything there. So on the back of the 18th, uh, I don't know if you've been there, but it's, it's, it's a little Island. And, uh, the ball had gone in and we couldn't mark because Q school was starting the week after. So they were painting, we couldn't paint. So we said we'd use the natural, you know, uh -huh. drop off or margin and the ball had gone over the green and into the pond. Uh -huh. And she wanted to know where she had to drop. That was the only ruling I had the whole day, you know, which, uh, you know, can be boring, but we're watching, we're timing. We're, you know, I enjoy watching good golf. Yeah, uh, you know, it, that's a great point too. Timing. We're doing a lot of timing when we're refereeing. And it's so funny when the or not funny, but it's 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 a one of those black humor type situations, I guess, and that the players are looking at us going, you know, why are you bothering timing us? We were just we were just getting held up and now we're, you know, we might be a hole, but it was because Fred, we looked for his ball for five minutes or whatever it is. You know, of course it's three minutes now. Uh, but you know, so we were, we were getting held up and so that's all their excuses. And I'm looking at them going, look, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing my job. Like I, I would prefer if you were fast and I just could sit here and watch good golf. I don't want to be coming over here with a clock, uh, stopwatch going, yep, you you're over time or whatever. I would absolutely just prefer to be watching you guys play or girls play good golf. Yeah. With the, with that, uh, it got to the tour I was doing down south, the mini tour. Um, all I'd have to do was drive by and look at my watch, just look at my stopwatch, and they'd yell out, "We're we're trying to catch up. We're trying to catch up." But uh, a lot of a lot of timing and uh, the the last tournament I I big tournament I did for Golf Canada Junior event. I was a pace of play referee, so my whole job the whole week was was the timing stuff we had four stations doing a group pace of play and everything was on the tablets so that made it really really nice and i could look at that and say okay these guys eh, better keep an eye on them they might be uh cutting it tight but uh we only had to penalize one group over three days which was pretty good that's um yeah so that's something that uh the usga and, and a lot of the associations yeah. in the us do as well the uh the station timing which we uh down here haven't cottoned on to but that, uh, that apparently works quite well and everyone realizes when they're out of position and 
Yeah, it stuff. cut our it cut our rounds down about a half an hour average. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, which is is good, and that started right off. All you got to do is penalize one group, yeah, and everybody hears about it. Yeah, you know, so it it works really really good. And, and it's you know, and you know the hardest thing about timing is trying to make it as black and white as possible. Um, yeah. But if if uh, if a group realizes that they're out of position then they get the opportunity to make the time up. And if they don't make the time up, then it's black and white what the what the penalty situation is for them. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. And the whole key is just just keep the group in front of you in sight and you'll never have a problem. Yeah, that's you know, exactly right. People say, well, I got nobody pushing us. Well, I'm not worried about the group behind you. I'm worried yeah. about you guys. And, yeah. uh, and they'll, uh, you know, our kids, the, the juniors, all the juniors now have played it, played with this. So we've, we've had it in effect for quite a number of years. And so they all know the procedure and, uh, you know, you just get some of them and, and sometimes, you know, the, the coaching that they're getting is don't change your routine, but the, the pros, as you'll know, have, they have their regular routine. And then when they've been given a warning, they have their 42nd routine and, uh, you know, you, you see it and, you know, players that get penalized don't have that 42nd routine. That, and, that's uh, so, that, that's so true. Like, uh, you know, you'll know the players that will take their routine and they're, and they're playing 37 seconds and they'll know they played a 37 seconds, whether they're, slow or you know in a slow group or fast group they'll always take about 37 seconds and so what will actually happen it's it's before they get to their ball or it's after they get to their ball they'll take their time getting to the next shot or whatever it is and so they'll actually create a slow group but when they start getting put on the clock they don't get penalized because they're 37 seconds and and you'll find that those people they'll love that kind of pressure and they'll actually, you know, have birdies and pars and the other guys, girls that were, um, you know, suddenly feel like they're under pressure from the time. Um, they'll go to water and they'll be pissed off at the end of it. Yeah. I had one, one player, well, I've had more than one tell me after we'd given them a warning and that we were going to time them, they, that their comment was, I didn't know I could play that good playing that much quicker. Oh yeah, I, I love that comment. I love it. I've, I've I've had people on the clock before, and they've gone, you know, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, and they're like, "Stay with me, stay with me, you're my lucky charm, or whatever." I'm like, "No, I don't. I'm not. I don't want to stay here and just look at the clock every twenty five seconds. Just yeah. hurry up, you know." Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so do you do you Anyways. play do you play much golf yourself, Jerry? Uh, I try to, but my game is right in the dumps these days. I, I, uh, I played yesterday and playing tomorrow. I, I try to play about five days a week when I'm not officiating yep. and, uh, my body, it's getting old. It needs a couple of days of rest a week. So today's my day, my normal day off. I don't play Wednesdays. Uh, what's well, Thursday for you? Is it? No, 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 no. Wednesday no, it's still night. Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. yeah. Um, but I usually don't play Wednesday and Fridays. I don't play, but, uh, you know, most of the other days I'll get in there and 
try to hack it around. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm not getting as many in right now as, well, I guess I am. I'm getting a lot of, lot of rounds in. And but, uh, uh, th that's mainly stroke play or you, you, yeah, I just, competitions I, going? no, I don't play any competition at all. Um, if I did, I'd be dead last. <laughs> I, I i'm not playing very good and i never i i did play a little bit in some of our organized stuff uh, years ago and some club events but um the competition with with golf was never a big thing for me i just wanted to do it for some fun i love the walking i walk walk all our rounds i get my steps in like our one course is probably about 15,000 steps for me in a round. So I need that to keep and, me and going. So does your, uh, your better half, your wife play as well? No, she is totally non-athletic and, uh, doesn't know the head of a club from the shaft of a club. So, <laughs> so when <laughs> no, you, not at all. So you get yourself down to Florida, um, for your, for Ottawa's winter. Uh, which is which is a good idea whereabouts do you reside down there or do you sort of change it up no i i had been going i couldn't go last year and i don't know if i can go this year because they haven't got the american the americans haven't opened up the border for us canadians to go down there so um, i'm hoping we could fly down but i want to drive down and uh, i go down north between saint augustine and daytona beach so LPGA International at Daytona Beach, I've officiated a number of the mini tours there. I, I just do the this National Women's Golf Association. I've just gone in to volunteer, no money, you know, just want the experience and, and uh, just uh, started out there about eight years ago, I guess, just asking if, if he needed some help and I'd be willing. And another referee from here, she goes down there. Well, there's two more that go down into the Orlando area or close to Daytona beach and help out with officiating. And it's good experience. I mean, working with pros is so different than working with amateurs and people don't understand that, that it is. I mean, they don't really, they're supposed to know the rules supposed to. And, uh, you know, so you're not in helping them out quite as much, but you get to know the, after doing it so long, as you know, you get to know the signals, you know, if they stand there and go, oh, I don't know, or they, the, all the players come together in a group or they're looking and pointing you, then you head over and you know, but they don't want you in their face. And we had one referee that would, uh occasionally get in the the face of the players and they told the the tournament director look you know we don't really want any time we do something wrong you know, or we're looking at something we don't want them we'll let them know when we want them in there and and you know the pros are are that way we're amateurs a lot of times and the juniors in particular don't don't often know what's going on and our at our level with a lot of our tournaments, they're not high level tournament people in our local area. So, you know, we're, we'll try to help them. Yeah. Yeah. With the, that's a great point with the pros, although 
you know, some of those mini tours, they would be quite competitive, I would imagine. So they, you know, they, uh, I find it quite interesting with some of the tours that I've been involved in, in that, you know, the pros are friends, but they're also competitors. As in, if you let your friend away with something, and they beat you by a shot and you miss the cut and then you know they get their keep their card and you lose your card uh i wonder how quick how you know how forgiving or generous that person would be uh the next year you know it, when it comes down to it ten dollars is ten dollars and if if someone gets to get gets to keep their card for ten dollars for the ten dollars more that they made uh during the year you know that and that person thinks back and goes oh there was that drop that i gave him for that what i thought was gur was it really gur <laughs> so yeah I, I would i would assume that uh, those mini tours would be quite competitive with that so the markers you know one day tournaments the markers wouldn't be that generous with uh, with letting the, the player get away with anything yeah, and most of these mini tour events were three day events. So, days, you know, okay. if they're playing with with and, a cut, uh, he went with a cut for a few years, but then he he didn't have a cut after uh, the last couple of years. He didn't have a cut. So, uh, and you know, we weren't getting, you know, with the ladies, we'd get you know forty fifty players. Um, so it wasn't too too bad, but um if you if you're up he'd have some events if he had uh, uh a lot of players he'd have a cut after the second day is that so, uh is that a pay to play jerry yeah they well they pay what the players pay yeah who picks pay, up the prize money yeah the players it's yeah. uh you know they'll pay a, a pretty good fee to get into the event and uh you know, then they get some prize money. He just finished one yesterday and uh, in um, South Carolina, I think it was. Yep. And it had, uh, I think the winner, she got 10 grand for that one. Now that was put up by, they had a sponsor for that one. So, um, but, uh, you know, that was a pretty good one. But most of ours are, you know, a lot less money than that. So pretty tough, pretty tough go for these, uh, these mini tours. And do you um, see have you, like the talent is uh, have you seen many go on to um, bigger and better things? Well, I mean, this past year in in that yeah, I mean, well, Brooke played in it. Brooke and Brittany Henderson both played in the tour. Um, Annie Park, I think that won a, an event. A great little uh, uh, spark plug that was on the Solheim Cup. Megan Kang played in it. Uh, when she was getting started as a pro uh, there's quite a number of them so it, it, it's been fun and I, I watch women's golf more than the men's golf and uh, not just because they're better looking but because <laughs> I can relate to their swings and I've I've seen some of these players come up and and want to follow them and and like we do the event before right before Q school in Palm Springs and you know you'd follow them and, and it's interesting because you can see, okay, I don't know why that person's still playing, you know, in, in competitive golf, because I've watched them for four years and, you know, they haven't got.
gone anywhere. But then you see somebody like the girl that just won yesterday. Um, you know, uh, you're going to see her name on tour, and and uh, you know, in a, in a couple of years, she's been at it for a while and playing some pretty good golf. Played good golf when I was down there a couple of years ago. But they're all getting on. A lot of them are getting on the Symmetra tour. I go down the Symmetra tour list each tournament and you know okay there's names i recognize i don't recognize all of them but uh a lot and try to follow their careers which is fun yeah there's a couple of uh new zealanders <laughs> and uh aussies on there that uh i've um i've yeah. seen and, and just see uh, how they go and whether they're going to get on the lpga big tour or not yeah it's it's fun yeah so uh you run an online and this is how we uh yeah. well it's uh, this is kind of how we met um obviously i started doing the podcast uh last year and it popped up on your screen and um you started interacting with us about the you know about, <laughs> i think this was the best thing for me was i would ask the rules question of the week and not only would you come back and be the fastest one to answer it, but you would also say, this happened to me. This happened like, you know, five years ago. This one happened three months ago. This one happened yesterday. I loved it. I was like, every, uh, every rules question I came up with, you always had a situation that it actually happened to you, which I, which I loved. So yeah, you... I, I was going to comment about your uh, match play one because this this one that just happened because that exact thing has happened also. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, see that that one's never happened. I've never seen that happen um, where someone's teed off outside the teeing area, <clears throat> and then they had to either put another ball into play or play a provisional. I've never seen that happen. So uh, it, it actually happened. It actually happened in an event. I wasn't. I had finished playing in the event and uh, it was a team thing with four different clubs playing matches and one of our players and I had the rule book, but I hadn't become a referee yet. Okay. So I was still reading and uh, it actually happened on the 18th hole and the match was all, all tied up on the 18th. And the one guy um, hit, I was the captain on the team. So I could, talk to the players too when i was done but the home club player hit it out of bounds from the wrong teeing area we were playing a nine hole course and different tee each time ah. and he hit it out of bounds he hit it out of bounds and our player looked and says um what do i do can i recall that i mean he's played it from the wrong tee but he put it out of bounds and i got my book out and looked real quick through the book it says just let it be. You're going to win. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> he, won the, right. he won the match on the 18th hole. So oh, wow. That happened. Yeah. Was a nine hole. See, I can get that. See, I, you know, when this kind of thing for a person to play from outside the, the or the wrong team area, outside the team area, you know, I always think, oh, they started the round and they played off the blues instead of the whites or the whites instead of the blues or the reds instead of the yellows, whatever it is. But, uh, I, yeah, I didn't think about nine hole course where you got two teeing areas. Yeah. So that was, 
that one happened also but well i i, I look yeah. forward to keep uh <laughs> pumping out these questions to see if you've see if you've experienced them but yeah, uh, yeah so getting into yeah. that you over winter now um when you're in florida as well uh you run this rules podcast uh just amongst your compatriots um from around canada or specifically yeah. around ottawa well i started out with just our own people in the ottawa area where i i just wanted to help people try to to get recertified uh so i'd run a, a session i started doing a a go-to meeting session now i'm using zoom like this but yeah. um i uh I guess seven or eight years ago, I decided, well, let's try it and see if we could work it. So I set it up and I ran it every week with them. Uh, and I'd, I'd go on uh, the RNA, the USGA, Lou Blakey's uh, got a thousand questions on there. And I'd get um, questions. And I, yep. Yeah, generalarea.org. And what I'd do is uh, put the questions up and have an answer. And I'd, it was good for me because I'd have to go in and reference where everything was, where all the answers were. So it was a lot of prep work, which I didn't mind because winters here can be pretty boring. So, uh, you know, unless you ski, but so I started doing those and we needed to get new referees in too. So, I started a second one up for competitors that wanted to learn a little bit about the rules. I sent something out to a bunch of clubs and I'd get, you know, in ours, I'd have 10 or nine or 10 people in. And then I started the other one up where I'd, I had people that were interested in the rules that maybe wanted to get started. And what I did there is I never got into a rule number. Okay. It's just, Okay, if you're going to take relief from a cart path or you're going to take an unplayable, I didn't go into rule numbers with them. Just kept it very basic, had some pictures, um, got later, got into some little videos on, online also, but helped them out to learn. And we got some referees out of that. And we went from having 10 or 12 referees in our area where right now we're over 30 and so a lot of people have come on i'm not pushing to get more right now <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say is and, it uh, invitation only or uh, yeah oh, for, the, no, the for, for our for my sessions they the regular ones with our people it has grown where i've got people from all over ontario that's awesome golf quebec now they want me to to get some of their people involved in it, the English speaking people. Um, I've had a couple of people from the States in, you know, I've had Fraser on and and you came on the one day to 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 chat a little. And with those sessions, it went, I've gone away from doing just straight questions. Okay, where I'll be honest, 
I steal a lot of stuff from your website. Now, from your, <laughs> you know, now the situations and and you have great videos on there, and and I more I, than welcome to. I get stuff from what's happened on TV on a on a on a a tournament, and I've gone to we we've spent half an hour discussing stuff. Uh, you remember the the one with Jordan Spieth with the the dropping on the cart path and the puddles. Wow. And we probably spent 45 minutes going over that one on one session, you know, as yeah, to why he did this bad. and why he did that. And, and, and the one where he was over, what was it over in Europe? I guess the British open, was it when he, he uh, had the one yeah. over in the driving range, yeah. you know, things like that. We'll discuss them because these things, you know, they're real situations. I, I go on a lot of forums, but I've gotten to where I don't enjoy a lot of them because it's so many hypotheticals. And if, when I teach something, I tell the people I've had this situation and the question of the week is a situation that I had. Okay. So, um, to some point, it's a little different. Uh, the The result was was different, but it, uh, it it's I, I just like real stuff. And why throw stuff out that is never ever ever going to happen? But uh, so I get people from all over, and if anybody wants to, you know, all they got to do is message me or whatever, and I'll make sure they get a link. And you know, we last year I had I think around 20 people pretty well every session um you know you came on the one night if i can get the odd guest on it would be great i'll try to get fraz on one night but uh um you know this coming year and go over let him push his uh great uh spreadsheets that he's got uh they're good and you know it's it's just something i i have fun with and uh I'll be starting it up again in a few weeks, you know, as we get the cooler weather coming in here and, uh, you know, people seem to enjoy it. I keep it to a, an hour and a half max. Um, I cut it right off at the hour and a half. I found initially I was going two hours, which was way too long and an hour's sometimes too short to go over a Jordan Spieth or a Patrick Reed scenario. <laughs> that's, that's a great point I, I find about 75 minutes for, uh, yeah. for a rules workshop works works pretty well oh yeah that's i, that's I good. would uh, absolutely love to come back on if you if you want me. oh yeah oh, i found sure. i found jerry when i came on your um your meeting you know you welcomed me on and um you know it was great to have me and i and i tell told my story about events that i'd done but you know i was looking around the people that were there and they were intently listening to me, but I was thinking, you know, I might've done a couple of events. These, these people in front of me have done just as many events, if not more have got just as much as experience. And, and just, it was amazing to sort of be part of, you know, we've all had different experience, different um, ways of, of going about it. You know, we all sort of, we all know the rules and then it's just about how you apply it to the players uh, yeah. when you're out on the golf course. Um, yeah, we're we're lucky in the Ottawa area here that we have a lot of very, very 
high qualified uh, referees. I mean, um, some that have done Golf Canada events all across the country, done the, some, uh, you know, a couple of them have done US Women's Open. They've been over to the RNA for their TARS course. Uh, you know, I mean, they're very experienced and I keep learning from them too. And uh, it's, it's a nonstop learning thing. You get some people, well, geez, I went out there and I didn't do any rulings today, or all I did was spot balls or, and then okay. the sort of time players and, uh, you know, it's awful, awful boring. And I don't want to do this. Well, you know, when you're up, like I'm up early this morning, I mean, that's nothing. If I'm doing a tournament, I'm at the golf course by six 30 in the morning and yeah. I don't get home till dark, you get a suspension of play, which we had at one of our events this year that, you know, I was there at the course at quarter after six in the morning, I got home. It was like, you know, nine o'clock at night, uh, when I got back to the hotel and, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know, it's just something you've got to have in you, but some people don't, don't want to do it. I have some people that'll come on the, on my webinars and, you know, they're on there and I see their name drop off after 45 minutes or so. And, and, uh, you know, it's, I see them on there at the start and I say, okay, they won't be there at the end, but you know, that's their choice. And, uh, you they, know, they I wanted just, to come on just to ask a question and then, uh, they got there. Yeah, probably. And, but and that's, that's fine. Nothing, and I have no problem with that. with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But, uh, you know, um, people don't have the passion like we do no. for the, for the rules. The, the obsession of, uh, yeah. Of knowing it, but you know, for a game that we absolutely love. So, yeah, uh, I was going to mention, uh, you did mention it before about Gulf Canada and getting up to level four. And then you just mentioned sort of the TARS. Gulf Canada's for a long time has had a very good education program. Uh, you know, obviously the level one is very similar to the, the beginner or level one that RNA USGA have at the moment. Then yeah, level two, um, still very similar but you you had a level four or went up to a level four was that part of it was that actual learning how to be a referee no that that was before i think the rna had four levels at one point so we went the same way and then when was it when the new rules came in i guess they went to three levels so uh, we're down to three levels now again so, yeah. I've only ever known the RNA to have three, but now oh. as of, as of, uh, no, no, I could be wrong, Jerry. Um, but as of last end of last year, they talked about having, or start yeah. of this year, they talked about having introducing a level four, but I've, um, I've always thought that the Gulf Canada had four levels and, and we the did, RNA but only ever had three. Yeah, no, I think they had the four because we followed right along with, we follow the RNA um, system. And right. I know I'd, I'd read where the RNA was going to bring one in and yeah. is to teach you more how to be in a, a referee. referee. And, and that's, that's really, really needed. I, I try to get our people out. In fact, after they did their exam this year, this past year, the people that, that did, I, I taught the level two which is the old level three, but uh, um, I was teaching 
that for or help and teach for Golf Ontario. And uh, after they did their exams, which they all did online this year, um, I did some sessions were trying to help the people learn a little bit how to referee. Um, so we ran some sessions like that, you know, um, you know, how to a, a basic thing going out, how to set the tees properly. You know, I mean, I go out, I, I love doing course setup and, you know, doing hole locations, doing, uh, you know, doing the tees and things like that. Uh, um, marking marking courses uh, i think the rna wanted to go that way which i think is good and i did a tars they had a tars thing in um, uh in toronto a number of years ago and they've had them in vancouver and if they get another one going again here it was similar we had um, um grant over from uh, the rna and mark dusbobic from the pga tour oh, yeah was there big 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 guy it was a lot of fun did he used um, to play nfl yeah he played for i think it was um oh god uh oh i could see there green I, bay I, I think it yeah, was yeah yeah he was uh, a linebacker that's it <laughs> yeah He's a big big man big man nice guy Where's but we had a lot of fun likes wearing a visor. Yeah. yeah we had a lot of fun at that but he learned he taught us a lot of things about officiating he talked about you know doing you know officiating out on tour getting in getting out quick you he, know it's and, it's interesting you talk about mark because uh you know well i've got a couple of videos of mark uh handling a rule situation and you know these guys it's quite funny these guys know the rules you know they know the rules just as well as uh, as anybody but they'll still use the radio and they'll still go to the radio and ask and it sounds like they're asking the simplest dumbest question and you think oh how's this guy ask that question he does he not know the rules it's just what would you call your that? brain goes your brain goes blank at times blank or, or just insurance you know yeah it's, and the, the insurance sometimes too but i've just had my you know you get out there and geez uh, let me get on the radio and just check. Oh yeah. Right. That's exactly it. And you know, you know it, but you know, you, you get in that quick situation and God, I, I just totally drew a blank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the, but it, it, it's a good point, Jerry, because it's the referee that no, thinks he knows everything that will make the mistake and, oh, yeah. and usually a bad mistake. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so I, you know, we, we encourage people to, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, uh, if a referee is going to make a mistake, uh, it should be that you call the tournament director too many times. That would be your mistake yeah. um, that you should make. So, uh, you know, the, I, I see it and I've had these comments. Oh, how's that referee get on the radio? Shouldn't he know that you take a drop off the car path? Well, so, yeah. sometimes, you know, sometimes cart paths uh, are, are not um, free drops. They're integral objects or they're yeah. in penalty areas or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I had one, I forget what it was this year. And I, oh, I, I 
told the players, I'm just coming up blank right now. I, I'm pretty sure this is what I've got to do. And I wanted to keep play going. And I says, look, you know, play two balls here and I'll get you the, they were on the 16th or 17th hole. And I says, I'll meet you at scoring and give you the, the answer. I know where it is. I'm just not going to take the time right now. We've got to keep you guys in, you know, in, in play here. And, uh, and I gave him the answer at 18 and I was right initially, but I, I just wanted to confirm myself and I'd gotten on the radio and we weren't, none of us were, were a hundred percent sure right at the time. So there, you know. there you go. For everyone listening out there, you've got Jerry Bauer who knew, <laughs> knew the rule about 95% but didn't trust himself to make the final call. So, so in that situation, he actually knew one of the most difficult rules for an amateur golfer to know, and that's to play two balls, because how often does that come up? And you've actually decided to take them through that procedure and then tell them the eighth. So if everyone uh, listening out there, you just, just <laughs> the, the biggest mistake you can make is that you think you know all the rules. Oh yeah, that's for sure. We're so, always learning. We're we're always learning, especially on uh, when those situations come up on the PGA Tour, and we're going, "Hang on, is that you know that Bryson one the other day? That was amazing. Uh, where he, <laughs> you know, where the committee knew before the three minutes, Bryson didn't know that the you know the communication didn't get to him till after the three minutes, and they were because they were certain that it was stolen by a spectator. They were happy for. Uh, the exception to 18.2b, I think it was, um, to to be applied. But uh, talking about you know rules, Jerry, what would your I asked Fraser this one last week. What would you? And he had a very diplomatic answer. What would your least favorite rule be? Oh boy, I I saw your questions ahead of time, and I actually wrote stuff up. But um, I had a couple of them that there's. One that I really hate is having to drop on a cart path and then you're going to get relief from the cart path, which 99% of the players don't want to play off of if they can get a drop. And I think it just wastes a lot of time. Um, we have up here, we have uh, a Tim Hortons, which is a coffee place. Okay. Like a Starbucks yep. type thing. So, and people go in and they get a double, double. Well, we called, we called this, you know, the, the double, double. Okay. You're going to drop twice on the cart path. You're going to place it. Then you're going to find your relief. But I had one, I think it was either at the world junior girls or the Canadian junior girls championship where the area where I was, I had a penalty area and a cart path right next to it. I must've had 20 of these drops, uh, but I had one that was really good. And I had to get another referee to come help me because I had all three players in the penalty area. Uh, so I had a double, double and a drive back. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so, wow. so that's one that I hate. Uh, I, I don't like that. And one that's bugged me a lot is, uh, signing the scorecards i've had you know um come in verify it if you want and with covid we haven't been doing a lot of signing 
and it's worked out so good <laughs> that they, you know, we haven't had a marker forget to sign or a player, you know, they're thinking, oh, geez, I screwed that round up and they forget to sign. I don't like that one, but it's in there. It's a rule. You follow the rules. And getting some consistency and one that, uh, you know, some consistency in dropping. Um, you know, the back on line is one good example where if you've marked a reference point and you drop, it's got to stay in that same area of the golf course that it first hits. But if you have the local rule in E12, now you drop and it rolls within a club length back into the penalty area. Now it's back in play or you could redrop it. But, you know, just some consistency in there. Yeah, Those well, are three we, that I. We did talk about E12 last yeah, week and uh, yeah. I, I had one question. Someone looked at the book and they said, where's E12? Are you, are you smoking yeah. crack? And I said, no, they, they, uh, the, the, book, the published book uh, doesn't have it. it. It's a clarification. And, it's uh, in my paper. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll find it online and you'll find it in the, uh, in the App Store app is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but you won't find it in the book. And it was a rushed, a rushed one that they wrote. Um, I don't think they actually needed it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see in 2023 whether they do bring that in or um surely by you know that four years most people know that you can't drop it uh near the hole and it'll always sort of be a uh, I don't know, probably yeah it'll always be a, a half circle rather than a full circle like e12 tries to make it yeah it's they're gonna be they'll have to do something with that one you know um and, and this goes back to your least liked rules you know how many certainly a couple of those would be eliminated but how many rules they could get rid of if they just moved to placing instead of dropping. Yeah. I've thought of, I've thought of that. And a lot of people think that that would be the best way. And, you know, it probably would, it would eliminate so much problem. It would, you could get rid of a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. If you, you got I'm, your, your I'm area an, and you place it. I'm not an advocate for it. Um, like I don't mind either way, but just because I know how to drop and I know the, you know, um, the dropping procedure and, and as do you, but if you're a beginner golfer and then suddenly you drop and then someone says, Oh, but it's rolled out there, but you've got to drop again. And you, I did it to me, it does sound really confusing. Now I'd like the, um, the, uh, the, what do you call it? randomness Not, yeah randomness oh. so thank you very much uh you should be on my podcast more often <laughs> um, i like the randomness of the drop but uh at the same time my priority is pace of play so i really love the idea of the of the place and then you know you're talking about this double double if you were had a place you would you'd be able to skip out the middleman you'd be able to go straight because you'd know okay i'm going to place it there so my nearest point of relief from there is is there and you wouldn't even have to drop um so yeah i i'm an advocate for both ways just because as i said i know the drop but the place would just speed up play so i'd, I'd love to see it um come that way but the, the 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 biggest risk or the biggest annoyance there would be you know pe people uh just trying to pick their ball up they're trying to get relief anytime they can so that they can they can place it any any time 
and yeah. then and then you know you're moving out of bad lies into into good lies and um and just patrick reading it the whole place <laughs> yeah for sure so yeah. I, I really i really like that i think those are three really good uh really good points there jerry um so i'm with you on that do you like this is uh, another interesting point and you know you you initially spoke about how you got into the rules and that you're a club captain and that would be uh, a really like a stepping stone for a lot of people that have gotten into rules and and, and refereeing is certainly my friend Stuart McPhee um, that's how he got into the rules he was club captain and then you know people would just start coming to him and he was like oh I better learn this I better I better know something and then it was really an interesting topic for him um, but the interesting thing is, you know, at the start you have people, you know, and you said it, you had, had people who knew the rules and then you'd read the book and you'd say, no, no, that's not right. And you'd have to go back to them and say, no, this, this is actually how it is. And what you find from that uh, is that, you know, people just sort of think, oh, this is the rules and that'll be the rules forever. And they don't actually realize that they do change more often than you think. Like I know we've had the big rule changes in 2019, but there are a lot of um, subtle changes, you know, every, every two years almost, or certainly with the added decisions, but definitely every four years, you know, 2014, 2000 um, or 16, 2012, whatever it was. So um, like, with all those changes, do you think that's that's good for the golf? I was getting to a point, Jerry. Do you think that's you know, <laughs> the the involvement of golf um, and the rules? Because rules are basically what golf is. Do you think that is for the betterment of the game? I think they're getting getting to the point of being where more people. I think we've got more people in our club. Um, with them being simplified a little bit that are following more of them like you know where they allowed uh, penalty areas to be other areas and one of our courses if you went six inches off the cut portion of the rough you you're probably not going to find your ball and so now it's all penalty area now they don't have to play the that provisional off the tee or, you know, or to be honest, they weren't going to go back if they went out, you know, most of the players other than a competition. But I think a lot of the rules are, are for the good. I, I feel they're going to have to do something because people watch what's on TV. They watch the pros and, you know, with COVID on, we had all the rakes out of bunkers. Okay. So we've just recently had them put back in, but people forgot how to use a rake. So the pros always have a raked bunker. They're always perfect. Their courses are perfect. Our courses are not perfect. I could take some pictures and show you pictures of divots and bunkers I mean, that are terrible. And we've been playing uh, preferred lie in the bunker just because of that. I mean, they'll rake, they'll, they'll groom them in the morning, but by 10 o'clock, 
you know, their junk again and no blame on the club. It's just the players aren't doing it. Divots aren't being filled. Ball marks aren't being, you know, repaired. And, you know, it's, we've got a lot of new golfers and the new golfers, they don't know. They're not taught etiquette or anything. They just, Oh, geez, Fred and George are going out. I'm going to join them and away we go. And, and, uh, will hack the ball around like I'm doing now, but I replaced my divots anyway. <laughs> and uh, um, so, you know, a lot of things changed with COVID, but they watch the pros and they say, well, they got a perfect bunker all the time. And they do. And I think, I think some things have got to change that way for, for amateur golf over professional golf, but I don't know, but I, I think the rules are, are getting better, you know, friend of mine and myself we were talking last night that there's still a number of things like this cart path drop um there's a number of things where we got to simplify it even more yet would you you know talking about a perfect bunker would you if someone went into a bunker would you allow them to mark their ball rake the bunker and then replace the ball that that's or another just, way or just place their ball in the nicest place possible we're, we're, we're allow we were allowing them to place it in the in a spot within a club length in the as long as it stayed in the bunker yeah. it had to be within the bunker and that and not closer to the hole and that worked out good i mean we were doing that in our our local competitions now for 2 years and the players were not complaining because they were getting a little better lie some we have some clubs that they put a illegal local rule in where you can rake the bunker and place it and i i guess i'd have no problem with that if if it, if it came out that way because then you're you're at least guaranteed something uh you know a decent lie yeah but, that's a uh, that's a really interesting one um the point you know, the, the point the where traditionalists th would absolutely yeah oh they'll destroy uh, me that's right they'll destroy me but, but the the other problem wrong with that no, but the problem with it too is if you get an embedded ball in the bunker and you're playing that rule, some people got the advantage of being able to move at the club length. And we had a couple of complaints about that. Well, his ball was embedded right up under the, the under you know, in the bunker, under the lip of the bunker, and and uh, he got to, to place it. I said, well, you know, he got a big advantage, you know, when, you know, your ball hit the tree and went out of bounds, you got a bad advantage. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's the way golf is. You yeah. got to take the good with the bad at times. I guess with, and, if we, if we allow the placing in the bunker to, to come in as a full-time rule, then, then people would certainly cry out for allowing uh, a placing out of a divot and stuff. Divots like that. So, and, so you're certainly yeah. opening up a can of worms. Now I'm not saying it's not a bad thing, <laughs> Um, you know, I just play the rules as they are. Uh, yeah. I I go the other way just for personal preference. I would prefer that you just play the ball as it is and, you know, there's no free relief. But uh, we, you know, if, if I saw those changes that we're just talking about, I probably wouldn't be too, too worried either as long as everyone's doing the same thing. Um, it's just It's just so hard because, you know, perfect golf or i just go back to golf shouldn't be perfect or it's not fair it, it shouldn't be fair 
it is what it is. Um, but you, you're dead right. People see perfect fairways, perfect greens on the tour. They see Instagram posts of perfect fairways and perfect greens, and they just accept, uh, expect that every time they play golf. And, it, and it's for 99% of the population that, and golf courses, that's just not the truth. Yeah. No, and, and the only reason, you know, is that they'd taken all the rakes out with COVID and, and you had to do something. Yeah. And now we've got to educate people to rake bunkers again. Yeah. And I have no problem with playing the ball as it lies in a bunker. I mean, I think you should, but the way they are right now, I could take you out to our course. I mean, they'd be, if they'd rake the bunkers, if they'd done the grooming of the bunkers this morning by noon, you wouldn't want to play out of some of them because people aren't raking them back. So that's not great. That is not great. No, no. Well, I, uh, no, that's, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the, certainly in 2023, uh, which direction they head. So, uh, you know, that's been a, that's been a fair good, uh, chat, Jerry. Thank you very much for coming on, but just before you leave, uh, could you please read out episode 49 GRQOTW? Okay, I'll, I wrote it down because I emailed it to you. <laughs> and this is a situation that did actually happen. And hopefully uh, people can picture the whole. Um, so I got Fraz, Blakey and Roscoe <laughs> are playing the tough 17th hole with a hill on the right that is general area. And below the hill is a small penalty area that isn't seen from the tee. Roscoe hits his tee shot down the middle and both Fraz and Blakey push their tee shots to the right. They go down and look around the area and Blakey finds his ball in the penalty area, but Fraz can't find his, so says, it must be in the penalty area. They both take penalty area relief, but Blakey and Roscoe aren't happy with Fraz also dropping as he didn't find his ball. They finish the round and Blakey asks for a referee. How would you rule? Oh, that's, that's so tough. Right. I, I look forward to, uh, <laughs> I look forward to everyone's response for that. Uh, that's a great question. Jerry. And this this happened, this actually did happen, and uh, except for the the way the result ended up, but, we, uh, I've had that one happen as well. Um, the the weird thing about that, and I'm I'm not trying to give any hints or, or tips here, but uh, why didn't the players take it up? And and you, you like this has happened, so you're asking the question after and you go why didn't you talk to the person at the time you know if you had a if you had some issue why didn't you say we have some issue with the procedure that you're going uh with instead of yeah. especially wait till the next hole or wait till after when you're handing in scorecards like yeah that that blew my that always blew my mind i was like why if you if you're not happy with something bring it up then and there yeah i agree and these guys when this happened they actually did get into a pretty good discussion at the time. Oh, they did. Yeah, but they in in the real situation, but they were all mad at me. 
Of course, of course. They they question it, but then when you don't give a favorable ruling to the person in the group, they want to have a go at you instead of Oh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, it, happens, it was, uh, that's what, it was that's pretty we, pretty heated discussion. That's, that's why you gotta have thick skin as a referee. You got that right. Now I just uh just before I go, I just remembered uh I had an Iver from last week and I keep making this mistake uh because old habits die hard i continue to say that if you're not happy in match play you have to make a claim but it's not have to make a claim it's what is it jerry ask for a ruling yeah request a ruling or whatever it is i don't think (laughs) i don't think i'll get used to that but uh one of my good friends uh david grieve picked me up on that one and I think you've picked me up on that before. I, I just can't get my head around it. <laughs> Make a claim is just is burned into my memory. But uh, I know it's so good. It's like tied matches and all square. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and Dormy, they got rid of Dormy. Dormy, well. yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That, that was the awesome thing of, I mean, I love, as I've mentioned on this podcast a hundred times, I love match play more. And, you know, we don't have match play enough. And so to have Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup within a month of each other, oh, it was fantastic. And then you're talking about, you know, the differences of referees, how, you know, a roving referee can't just get involved and an assigned referee has to make the call. You know, they, they take in all the facts, but they have, they're the one that has to make the call. It's, it's Yeah, I officiated, I officiated the Ontario Men's Match Play Championship and was the referee for the final men's match and uh you know it's different when you're out there as a just watching you watch people you can't drop there i get no i can't go over there you know dropping in the wrong place or wrong and doing things and and uh yeah it's interesting i i love love match play because uh but i i had one incident happen at the match play in the finals about two holes from the finish i was off in the trees and actually got nailed in the head by a golf ball so <laughs> oh. oh wow so the hazards of refereeing sometimes and i was in the woods but the <laughs> the funny funny thing was they couldn't see me i couldn't see them on the tee of an elevated tee and uh, uh i watched the pictures from the golf ontario website later and I recognized the player on the on the the twelfth tee because it's way elevated. And as soon as he hit the ball, out goes his arm out to the right. But nobody could see him. There was nobody there to see it, <laughs> to see yeah. him do it. But I saw it in the picture later. So but he, uh, luckily, I was okay. I was okay, so didn't have a headache or anything uh, out of it. But thick-headed yeah. referee. The hazards <laughs> of the job. Well, oh yeah <laughs> okay. I, I i really appreciate you coming on jerry it's fantastic uh to have you as my second guest and uh you know i probably could have asked you and talked to you for a lot longer but we better uh wrap it up there and this just gives me good reason to get you on again so uh look look forward to, to the rest of your day and and thank you very much yeah it was fun and uh hopefully i'll get back on sometime again You have a good day. Thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Jerry. Okay. Thank thank you very much, everyone, for listening.